Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Bread and water is what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. He said, come to me and drink. He said, I am the bread of life. However we adorn our Christian faith, it rests in this most basic thing. Christ is all. Let's learn from him. Let's learn about him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. One of the most wonderful words used by God is the word O. He says it over the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 5, 29. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. It's a tremendous word expressing God's loving desire for us, and yet his loving restraint as well. God holds back and waits for us to love him in return. Obedience to the commands of God is nothing more or less than us practically drawing near to God in our actions, in our attitudes. If you were to look at the Ten Commandments, you would find out the Ten Commandments are also at every point an expression of something of the character and attribute of God. And what God is actually doing in the Ten Commandments is He's inviting us to walk near to Him in how we live. When the Lord Jesus came and lived a sinless life and he followed all the Ten Commandments perfectly, it wasn't because he was trying to follow laws. It was because he was following out in his human nature the very essence of all God was. He was living out God's nature. And as he lived out God's nature, guess what? It was consistent with God's laws. He didn't have to say, now what was that command again? He was just doing what God would do if God came in the flesh. And the commandments are God's invitation for us to draw near to Him and to approximate our lives to Him. Again, I can go back to being a parent with children. There's a time when your children will no longer want to approximate their lives to you. They want to differentiate their lives from you. And it's okay. It's a part of their development. It's kind of important. But boy, what a thrill it was when there was that time when they wanted to approximate their lives to you, when they wanted to mimic you and follow you and learn how you did things and they wanted to dress like you and stand next to you and ultimately, this is what following the commands of God is. It's just approximating ourselves to the blesser so that we can be blessed. God doesn't simply want us to do this with the things that we do, our strength, our actions. God wants us to approximate ourselves with our affections, our heart. God wants us to approximate ourselves with the attitudes that we carry about our souls. God wants us to approximate ourselves to Him with our thought life, our minds. God wants us to approximate ourselves to Him in the things that we do, our actions. That's why the Bible says we're to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and with all our strength. It's a command to approximate yourself to God in your affections, in your attitudes, in your thought life, and in your actions. The reason God wants this is because God wants to bless you. And you can't be blessed of God and live in a way that defies who God is. You can't, with your affections, defy the things that God sets His affections upon. You can't, with your attitudes, divide the thing where God's attitude is in a different direction. You can't love sin and love God at the same time. You can't embrace that thing that is a risk to your own well-being and find God pleased with you. You can't 
live with your thought life in a way that is not seeking to know and think the thoughts of God after him, which, by the way, is the best way to exercise your minds. It's to say, I want to think the thoughts of God after him. And if you'll do that, what you'll discover is every question is open to you. Every exploration is open to you, but in a way that is submitted to him. And you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God instead of going down some maze of thought that will end you into a dead end of darkness and misery and ruin. God wants your thoughts to be thought after him. You can't know God and God's work and God's power if you're not willing to draw near him in your own work and your own labors. That's what the commandments are all about. It's just a simple law. When God says, oh, that they had a heart to fear me and keep my commandments always, God is simply wishing that you would yield to this rule of blessing. Come near to me and I'll bless you. Here's the fourth thing and the last thing. I want you to see in this. By the way, sometimes when I passage preach, I feel that sometimes things I say totally throw themselves to one theological idea in the landscape that's out there. And another time I'll preach and I'll throw myself to the other ideas in another theological landscape. And I don't care to rectify the two of them. I just want to say what I see in God's word. And here's one where we see an expression in this O of divine restraint. God is restraining himself here. Do you see this? Oh, that they had a heart in them to obey me and keep my commandments always. Couldn't God just make it happen? Couldn't he just manipulate it? Couldn't he just insert himself into our decisions and our thoughts and our wills so that we only did what he called us to do? But he doesn't. He says, oh, that they had a heart in them. Jesus expressed the same thing when he came to Jerusalem. Oh, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers the chicks under his wings, but you would not. And God doesn't insert himself in their willing and their deciding. He just wishes over it. It's an expression of divine constraint. We can think of God restraining himself in his anger and wrath against sin. He wants to judge it because it's unright, but in love he restrains himself and he holds back and he patiently waits and he puts a limit on the expression of that power. And that's restraint. But God also does that in love this way. God loves us, and God wants us to encounter Him in love, and God loves us so much, having been made in His image, that He will not insert Himself over our own decisions. Ultimately, there must be on our part a reciprocation, and acting on our part to respond to Him. He won't constrain us. He won't constrain us to love Him. He restrains Himself from forcing our obedience and our love to Him. And instead, He says, oh, that they had a heart in them to love me and keep my commandments always. 1 Samuel chapter 19 actually tells the story of King Saul, who was by this time had turned from the ways of God, and David had actually been anointed to become the king, the next king after Saul, and Saul knew about this anointing, and Saul went about on multiple occasions trying to slay David. 1 Samuel 19, Saul learns that David is in a certain region of the land, and he He sends people up to slay David, and as they get up to that region, each group that he sends up are seized by the Spirit of God, and they're caused to prophesy. I'm assuming that they're prophesying that David's going to be the king. Finally, no one is executing his command. Saul goes up himself to slay David, and we're told that Saul falls on the ground prophesying as well, and he actually strips himself of all of his armor and all of his weaponry, so he lays naked on the ground without anything to do but prophesying, At that point, why do I tell you that? 
Well, if God can compel murderous King Saul to prophesy, God can compel and manipulate our obedience, but he won't. Instead, he sighs out as he desires the willing submission of our hearts and our souls and our minds and our wills to him in love to him. He sighs out, oh, oh, that they had a heart for this. God will not deplete us or deplete the love that we give to him by automating it, by automating our affections or automating our obedience. Because this is true, God actually solicitously yearns for our obedience and our affections. And this does not make God weak. Any more than God staying his hand of wrath makes him weak. It's a reflection of the power under restraint because of love. Men are lost and they're separated from God because they will not to be saved. God still loves them and his voice echoes over them saying things like, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you might insert your name there. How oft I would have gathered you, but you would not. We sin because we will not to obey God, but God still loves us. And oh, how he wants us to yield to his will. He does not force it, but he's ready to receive us. Oh, that they would come to me who are laboring and heavy laden, and I could give them rest. Oh, why will you die? Oh, that they would come and receive my forgiveness. Oh, that they would come and be healed. Oh, that they would come and drink freely of the water of life. God says, oh. God says, oh. Here's a conclusion to all this. How do we respond to all this? Well, first, I would just say this to you. Christians, you have trusted and believed in Jesus Christ. God is in your corner. God is in your corner. Take courage. He's behind you. He is for you. He's desiring in all things to bless you. I would also say this. Don't question the end that God is seeking from your life. Obey Him and submit to Him. He's wiser than you. And He knows the outcome He's seeking. And it's always, always, always to bless you. If he delays his blessing, it's only because he's working for you a far more exceeding glory yet to come when his purposes are revealed. What else would I say? Fear such a guy, God. Fear him. By the way, fear is not only this cowering fear that a person has. Fear is also an expression of the child who has been under the discipline and they want to come back into the arms of the parent that's disciplined them because the one thing they don't want to have happen is any brokenness in the relationship with them. Fear God in the sense of coming back to Him, wanting nothing to separate you or break your relationship with Him. Love Him. Honor Him enough that you don't want to disappoint Him. When I was a child, the worst thing my parents could say, and fortunately, although they probably could have said it every single day, they only pulled it out a few times, a few times, was, we're really disappointed in you, Joel. I remember the occasions. Almost each time it stands in my mind, sitting at the foot of their bed. Usually it was at night. The day had been bad all day long, and it came to an end, right? Standing at the foot of their bed, we're really disappointed in you, Joel. Fear God. Love Him. 
Honor him because he wants the best for you. Honor him so much that you don't want to disappoint him. Then be thankful. Be filled with praises that such a God is your God. Decide to come to him. If you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus, you've never come to him. If you know, you've grown up in the church, you've grown up with Christian influences, and you thought somehow that this was simply your parents' best wish for you, but not God's, think again. Don't follow your parents into the faith. Don't follow some relative in the faith. It's not enough. Follow God there. Follow his heart there. God is inviting you into his heart, into his fullness, into his life, into his forgiveness. See your sin, but recognize he's given an answer for your sin in the death of his son. Because oh, 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 how he wants you for himself. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. How we do press you, Lord, and praise you. How we do bless you and praise you for those things that stand out in our mind that are expressions of good things that you've given to us. Your word says that the goodness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. It's meant to lead us to turn back away from our own self-pursuits and our own self-will to the God who wills everything good for us. Lord, we're, we're understanding this. Thanks again for listening to the radio ministry of the Bread of Life. If you want to learn more about us or you want a copy of this or any other broadcast, just go to breadoflifeboise.org and write us your request. Well, I'm blessed to share this word with you today, and I look forward to doing it again. But until then, God bless you.